And I look back and I think, ah, I wasted so many years on like worry and trying to fit in and telling myself I wasn't good enough. And now I see all of these amazing, let's call them younger, the younger generation out there just doing it, trying it. Who cares if they fail? Talking about it in public and the lessons learned. What is going on Summit Chasers? And welcome to yet another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. We're just keeping them coming. And I'm thrilled to welcome Celeste Burke to the podcast. She is so much fun. She's incredibly authentic and unapologetic. We really dive into what it takes and what it really looks like to start your own business, especially as a solopreneur. The negativity that we battle, the people who say we can't do the things we want to do and ask, when are you going to get a real job? And the limits that we put on ourselves, which is probably really most of the time what holds us back. And sometimes all it takes is 30 seconds of insane courage. So sit back, get your notebooks out, sip on your coffee, maybe a slice of banana bread, and enjoy the show. Like you're, you're so authentic and you're very <laughs> well, good at what you do. I appreciate that. It, I can tell you a little bit of what it stems from. Please. Uh, being in a course. So I wore a suit ever since I was like 27 years old. And yeah. when you're in corporate, a lot of times you're putting a mask on and I can count on probably my hands and feet, maybe more double the number mm. of times I was told we need you to do this. We need you to be a cheerleader. Um, act this way. Don't say that. Why do you ask so many questions? And it kept stifling who I was. And I really went through, and, and I think a lot of, sadly, women, but individuals can relate to when you climb the corporate ladder and you're in a very buttoned up conservative role, your true self has a hard time coming out. And unfortunately, that spills over into other areas of your life. And it is really interesting because I went on this dating spree when I was 34, 35. I went on 62 first dates in one year. And I feel like I was verbally vomiting all over everybody because I was really trying to find myself and have this voice outside of corporate where I was buttoned up and polished and towing the corporate line and saying the right things. And my speech changed and realizing I didn't know who the heck I was, what what was this? Is it okay to be awkward? Is it okay to like stumble on your words and, and all of that? So it was this peaks and valley of finding myself and realizing in order to be a sales influencer, to be a sales trainer, to be a leader, people want to be able to relate to you. And most of the people I talk to, the intro into an organization is an individual contributor. And they are often feeling all of those things. So if I can help break down that barrier of it's okay to be quirky and unique and yourself and flub up and make fun of it, then that's okay. It, it feels more real and authentic. And I often get a little slap on the wrist from my mentor who is on my coaching calls of like, let's drop the corporate act, right? People just want to see you show up to a discovery call like, hey, what's going on? Not, well, on this call today, the agenda is... <laughs> So yes, we are in that same boat of showing up as real and authentic because let's let's face it, the majority of people that we work with, customers, um, aren't the outliers. They are true human beings that all have flaws. And you know, prior to this, my hair was in a bun and Bessie face, no makeup. They're just real humans. What uh, so since going on this uh, journey of self discovery? That's what you want to call it. That's what I'm calling it um, based on what you just said. But what doors, what has it changed for you? 
like has it changed a perspective has it changed like your perceived purpose like what what has it done for you definitely the perspective i live like like many in this place of the negative self-talk for years and years and years of i can't do this i'm not good enough i don't have enough experience that record played over for many years i'll, I'll be 45 in 2024 and I look back and I think ah, I wasted so many years on like worry and trying to fit in and telling myself I wasn't good enough. And now I see all of these amazing, let's call them younger, the younger generation out there just doing it, trying it. Who cares if they fail? Talking about it in public and the lessons learned. So it's changed my perspective. I, I just texted with someone this morning who we're potentially going to be working on a project together. And she's like, this is, this is our year, right? Like literally the sky is the limit. And it's taken me 15 ish years to have that shift in perspective of you truly can get any education out there on the interwebs. Like, it is free. It is out there, but you have to have the belief that you can take messy action in order to make forward movement or to have growth. So that, that's been a huge perspective change. And with that change has opened up so many more possibilities than for the lack of a better term, playing small. I, so what you just said, I, I meant to hit the mark button, but I, I, I don't think I got it in time. But it, what you said is to be willing to take messy action to create forward movement. Nobody wants yeah. to do that anymore because A, they don't like to fail, right? or they don't like to look, I just got a thumbs up, um, or they, they just don't like to look silly, right? And they, and they feel like if they fail, they can never get back up and, and, and try it again. They have to look at, now I have to try something else, sort of thing. Yeah. So what, and for I, you, I what, what was a, your messy action? Sorry, go ahead. So right when I was let go, I was part of a huge corporate riff and I took it really personal based on a lot of factors, but it really was mm -hmm. this catalyst of, you're 40 years old, you can keep working, doing the same thing that you've always done and could have gone out and gotten the same job that I had at a different company or even elevated that. And I had, I was at a, like a fork in the road. You have to make a decision. You go down that path that you don't know where there's no income, right? You're living out of savings, you're investing in yourself. And I had no clue about being an entrepreneur. My father's a longtime entrepreneur has built a $10 million business. It's in healthcare. And I thought I'm going to align myself with some women. And I stumbled across a, face, a Facebook ad of someone who was teaching women how to sell a digital product. So I wrote a LinkedIn ebook and I sold two copies at $25 each. It felt awesome. But the process mm -hmm. of learning how to do it and create a digital asset, uh, Natalie is her name. She had this, this motto that stuck with me, 30 seconds of insane courage. Like, take 30 seconds of insane courage. And often it's just getting over that hump, that 30 seconds of insane courage, like hitting post, going live, uh, sending a video, doing something that scares you for you to realize, oh, okay, <laughs> I made that way bigger in my head than it really was. So, all right, ask me again what where you were going because I just sidebarred. Well, I kind of want to talk about that now, but uh, no, that's, that's fine. But what was your, <laughs> I think you kind of answered it though. So what was you, when you wanted to, to make that transition, right? And it sounds like it was into the, the entrepreneurship. You were, like you said, you're at a fork in the road and you, you chose this path and you invested in yourself. What was your, what was your kind of like your messy action that created the forward movement for you? 
So the messy action was I'd spent a career doing the same thing. And the messy action was taking taking the severance money they gave me and reinvesting in myself. I had no clue about building an email list. Like It was unheard of in my past industry. You did do that. Big brands did that, not individual people. Uh, but I had no clue. Like Lead magnet? I had to Google it. All of these things I didn't know. Uh, the messy action was every day showing up and learning something new and aligning myself in communities or in coaching programs to just absorb and be a sponge but also be okay to say like, I have no clue what you people are talking about, but I'm going to go learn it. So for me, messy action is being okay that at a certain age, at a certain income level, I went to zero and I had to be okay that I know I can start to build this back up. It's probably going to take three to five years, but that little flame inside myself every day is like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And honestly, I think that came from when I had a child. I had a child at age almost 40, and it really was disruptive. I'm going to say it. If moms are listening out there, if you are a career first female or male or however you identify, it, it, it's tough. It's hard to go from being completely selfish to being selfless. I still get angry every day when I'm like, oh, I had to put my child first <laughs> versus me. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm getting my workout in while she goes to sleep. But it's this place that forced you to, like you can't give up, right? A, a kid needs you every single day. Meals, changing the diapers, the bedtime routine. So I believe that that corporate riff and having an 11 month old, it was like, I, I have no option but to keep going forward because someone is depending on me. Um, so there is no giving up. Like there's no other option. Yeah, it's actually kind of a good, I don't want to say good, but it's an, it's a, it was the mix you needed, it almost sounded like. Like you, I you think put yourself in a, the, in a, yes. For yeah, a lot like of you us, can't fail. No. <laughs> For a lot of us, it is that mix. And I was very fortunate. This is a PSA to all of you out there who are 21 years old. At age 21, I graduated from college. Uh, I got my first job. It was $10.50 $10 an hour. I was so excited to have that paycheck. And my dad said, you do put away 3%. Whatever they match, you put it away. Mm. And whenever you get a raise, you add it and you add it. And I took that to him. You don't buy what you can't afford unless it's, you know, a roof catastrophe, etc. Yeah. And I started saving and putting away. And so I realized I was saving for a rainy day fund of if the bleep hits the fan, do I have a nest egg? And I look back and I'm like, gosh, that was such sound advice for me to be able to step away from a corporate lucrative career to get out of that rat race in order to invest in myself, knowing the future is coming. And I still look at that. Like I haven't made it. I'm not where I want to be. Many entrepreneurs that I talk to who are building a business aren't. You're borrowing, you're living out of savings, you're combining, um, you and your spouse are cutting down to the bare minimum. And it's because of this future that you can see and you keep getting reinforcement from others knowing it's out there, it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. And it's it, the, the tough part is the unknown. Like you, you could succeed far greater than what you, you think you, yeah. for what you currently can see, or I mean, it might not, you could do everything right. And it might not work out. 
but it's it, but it's almost that unknown like that's almost the rush for me like i can't speak for for anybody else but that's the rush for me like i, I don't i don't know what the outcome is but i'm going to do everything i can to increase the odds that i'm going to get the outcome that i want <clears throat> like it's it's, it's exciting like you you're it's all on you it is and it, it's it's tough and and i believe for the first time in my life it has forced me to also finally deal with some of the negative self-talk the low self-esteem and confidence issues all the things you can mask behind when you have an income coming in you go to work every day right you're able to put on this face mm -hmm. every day i'm like oh i didn't get any leads today like nobody's tacking with me oh that's me that's me it's because i didn't put in mm -hmm. the reps right i didn't prospect i spent time with my family instead like that consequence is on on you as the entrepreneur and it's staring you right in the face and i will say if i had to do this by myself when I started out, it was a really lonely path and I'm not sure I would have continued if I didn't build a community of people I could tap into and give to, but then also <laughs> uh, withdraw when you need it because you, you can't do this in a silo. You will go insane with the crazy thoughts every day, judging yourself against other people. But building that community, reaching out, you know, having other entrepreneurs like yourself who will say like, yes, this is tough. These are the peaks. Hey, this is what I see in you. I had an idea. Have you met this person? And you giving that back allows you to not go crazy with the, yeah. with the thoughts of, oh, another month at zero. Yet another month at zero. Another month at zero. <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because you get to create your village. Like I said, it takes a village sort of thing to raise, you know, kids and that kind of stuff. If you're an entrepreneur, like you're, you're creating your village, you're creating your network, you're creating the people that you choose to invest in, you're choosing the people that you choose to, you know, give back to you, right, to reach out to and ask for help. So it's a, everything that's the, that was been the biggest thing for me. I think when I, when I started doing this entrepreneur thing, is realizing that everything that we do, you're trading it for something. Like you don't, you don't just get something without having to trade something else. Like, like you, you alluded to, you wanted to spend time with your family. That meant that there, maybe there's a few less prospects in your pipeline. So you had to like, that's a trade time with your family for the possibility of getting, you know, a prospect and a, and a sale, right? You, you trade, you know, I got to go, I want to go on vacation. Like the, you're, the, right. the, you're, you're not just trading, you know, PTO anymore. Right. And, right. and money that you've saved, you're, you're trading you're trading the prospect for a future success, right? So you're like, you're trading everything. You're trading everything all the time. And that's, it's been such yeah. a Yeah. And it's interesting because we, we went away in November and are going away again in February with family this time. Um, and I will say, I did not enjoy our time away in November. Here we are in Mexico, tropical destination. And I mm -hmm. had anxiety the whole time. And this is a lesson that I now realize as an entrepreneur. It's like the first time that I tried to take a vacation, realizing that flywheel. If I'm not having mm -hmm. conversations, if I don't have discovery calls booked, that's on me. And how do you take a week off from doing that, knowing that you're not potentially building? Uh, so it did not sit well with me. I'm not sure my husband enjoyed the vacation because the whole time I'm just like, I'm so stressed out. This stress. is giving me so yeah. much anxiety. Mm -hmm. well, and, and, and that's, it's, it's that's like... not a great headspace to be in either. And and he and I chatted yesterday. I was 
had one of those days where, you know, it's, it's an observed holiday. So my child's not at preschool, which meant it's on me. She went to a camp, luckily for three hours. I tried to get a little bit of work done, had a couple of calls, but I also have a training I'm doing in person next week and all of that administrative work has to get done. And he comes, I, we went and picked him up. He came home from his job and then went immediately down to exercise. And I'm just looking at him like, Ugh, I have hours upon hours of work to do. And he is like, you know, this is the life of an entrepreneur. You, you have to choose when the off button goes. And, and that's a balance as well of, you know, if you are in corporate and doing something on the side, if you want to go out on your own, you have to know that those first couple of years, inevitably you're going to have to sacrifice. Now that doesn't mean you can't sit with your partner or your family and, you know, carve out a few hours here and there, but it typically means seven days a week, you're doing something to work in or on your business. Yeah, absolutely. And it, to your point, like I love the, the analogy, I like the flywheel because it's when you, when you build that momentum and you, you go on vacation or, or something, something happens where, things aren't flowing for a day or two, you're not just losing a day or two, you're losing momentum for the next week, potentially. So you just all these things you have to take into to consideration, like the trade, the trades you have to make are a little bit lopsided at the beginning, especially if, you, if you're not at the point where you have a team that can keep things moving, right? Like if you're a true solopreneur, like it's, you, you're not taking a week vacation, right? You're not losing a week, you're losing two or three. Yeah. You got to be ready to yeah. make that sacrifice. You, you just, and, sure. and I think that you should make that sacrifice every once in a while. I, yeah. I think you should. Oh, yeah. you, you we become, need to recharge. You become what I like to call like not not sociable, so to speak. You're so much <laughs> not a real this, person, <laughs> right? I have to be like social. You're yeah. social awkward. You're so socially awkward because it's. I'm finding I'm having a hard time relating to people who aren't building something. I'm like, how could you not? Why aren't you building something? Yeah. What are you doing? Do you not yeah. have the entrepreneurial spirit? And mm -hmm. having to remember, this is my journey. Oftentimes it feels like a journey of one, um, but those people that you surround yourself with who are there to support you. And I've had to get rid of people out of my life who are like, when are you gonna get a real job? Oh, so you're unemployed? Okay, because they don't have an understanding of what it's like to build something, knowing you're going to sacrifice on the front end. And I think that's true even to individuals who are in a corporate sales seat or an individual contributor. Um, you know, what are you willing to put in to build something versus versus floating along? And life is so much more, let's say, richer, for lack of a better term, when you are working on yourself, when you're working on a project, when you're working on something that you're passionate about. And I spent so many years going through the motions, it's sad. You, you can't get those years back. And um, I, I wish more individual contributors and sales leadership were really pushing individuals to, that was always part of my one-on-one. -on -one. Like, that's great, all this stuff you're doing at work, but like, what else? What is the passion yeah. project? What are you doing outside to um, take a holistic approach to yourself or else you're going to burn out or you just become like a, a cog in, in the wheel. And I think that's, you know, some people are okay with that. They're probably not going to listen to this podcast. Probably, probably not. Probably. <laughs> They're not looking for podcasts, but I think that they, I don't think that, that they would be okay with it if they knew that there was another clock, they could be a cog in. Like, I don't know if they would, like, I, I just think that they just don't know. 
I don't think that people try enough stuff. I don't think they put themselves out there enough. Like some people are doing stuff that they're good at right now, but they haven't put themselves out there enough to even understand. Like they could be extremely passionate about cooking or teaching or whatever it is, right? Like they, they could be, they, but they don't know because they're just stuck being the, the cog in, in the wheel. But I love kind of, so the, the lesson kind of from here, so there's one, kind of a way that I like to look at it. And I, I like to look at it this way because it's really easy to explain to some of my clients because some of my clients are Gen Zers. So where they, like you think of yourself, like you're, you're a character in a video game and you have all these like stats, right? Well, we, we a lot of people think they only have like five, stats where it's like, especially when it comes to their job, it was like, okay, how, how well can I sell? How well can I communicate to our customers? How well do I know my product? How well can I drive to work? Whatever. Then these, these are just the stats that you have. We don't realize that we have like a thousand other stats of like, where's my energy bar? Where's my happiness bar? Where's my health? Where's my, like, like you, like you said, like, where's my regular communication to the outside world skills or communication to this. And there's probably 50 of them that could be communicate to different types of people, but we need to keep all those. We need to pay attention to all those bars, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because it takes all of them. It's like you have to be competent in all of those things. You have to be able to effectively communicate to clients, to prospective employees, to, uh, if you want to have a strategic partnership, you need to have, you need to be able to communicate with, with, partners. If you're trying to get, talk to investors, you need to know how to talk to investors. Like you, you need to be so good at all these things. And if you don't keep those bars, at least pay attention to them, one of them's going to go down and that's going to be the one you need. <laughs> sure. And, and the realization of, I, I don't know it all. You know, when I started this journey, I was oh, blindly sure. unaware that yes, I'd been in sales for many years, probably doing it while I excelled and have a lot of accolades, you know, it was very bantish checklist transactional selling, even though I was a relationship seller. And I've learned so much through my gap selling certification and training teams and working with individuals. But I've also learned this whole new skill set that, you know, I, I have QuickBooks and I have to balance my reconcile my account every month and investigate when something doesn't reconcile. I mean, that's it's not something I ever thought I would be doing. Right now, you're learning a little bit of marketing and you're dabbling in um, outbound and creating content. And it's like all of these things, you're you're mm -hmm. touching on all of them, uh, you know, throughout the rainbow. Whereas before in one specific role, you're like, no, I'm a master of this. I'm mm -hmm. a master of one. And as an entrepreneur, you realize I kind of suck at a whole bunch of these areas, but I got to do it anyways. I don't have the funds yeah. when I start out to hire somebody else. Plus, many people are like me and you want to learn enough about it before you outsource it so that you can keep your eye on it. You know what direction you want to go in. You can talk about it, but it does expose so much of your weakness. And as mm -hmm. I think a huge shift for me was a lot of... Um, feedback I was given over the years, I took it so personally because it felt like a personal attack. You didn't do this correctly. Like that email you wrote wasn't cheerful enough. Uh, you were too hard on the sales team for not meeting numbers, blah, blah, blah. And now whenever I get feedback from, I'm in a licensing agreement with Gap Selling. So I get coaching on my own calls, weekly coaching. We have, and it's tough. It is freaking tough. Mm -hmm. I've definitely been tears multiple times, but it doesn't feel personal. It feels like 
these individuals are invested in me for my future growth because they see something inside of me. They see an opportunity. They see an area of, that still needs to be developed. And that is the difference between getting like constructive coaching and feedback for, from someone who has your back versus being in a place where someone fears you may take their job. So the criticism is like always negative. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for, I mean, this is for me anyways, and it sounds like it was a little bit for you too, is like the realization that it's okay to be shitty. Just go be <laughs> shitty at stuff. Again, it's fine. Right. Cause if you do, you, but you have to be shitty before you can be really good. So you have to be okay with being shitty before you get really good. Like, and that's fine. We talk about, like, we talk about that in our meetings often. Like, let's say it's a bad week. I've only, maybe I haven't booked any sales call. Maybe it's a week where I have two or three and sales calls are really freaking tough to get at the VP and CRO level, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's constant, um, being in their face, like letting them see who you are when we take this lighthouse approach, which is let's become a beacon. We're going to put out a lot of content so people can see who we are, that we are real humans. We're not trying to sell them something, mm-hmm. but I'll also, I'll also get the feedback of Celeste. There's people out there doing a real shitty job, still booking sales appointments. And I'm like, okay, I don't have to be perfect at it. Like, mm-hmm. I can book discovery calls, even if the approach is a little bit cringy and I should have rethought that. I'm sure you look back, I think April Palmer posted something the other day where she had reached out to Keenan years ago and it, and it was like really bad. And so she left it alone. And then I had her on my podcast and Keenan had reached out to her. So she shared that screenshot. I've had a couple people where I look at the correspondence I sent them years ago and I'm like, oh, so bad. Mm. It's like looking back at old Facebook posts from high school. It's like, what was I thinking? So cringy. <laughs> like, Facebook so wasn't around when I was in, in high school. So there I'm oh, I guess, yeah, myself. me, me. Me either. Well, no, me, me either, actually. It was just after high school, I guess. Just after high school. MySpace. Um, and I'm like the grandma. MySpace. Yeah. I always have the Kleenex <laughs> near, too, because when you live in Colorado, it's a constant, constant nose oh, trip. All the time. Yeah. We, all the time. And then we judge ourselves based on that instead of laughing and saying, mm-hmm. oh, I did say circling back to this, right? Yeah. Like bumping this to the top. <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, uh, but I mean, it's, it's, it's good to see that. Cause you can see how much further you, you've, how far yep. you've come. And if you know how far you've come, you're like, okay, I know how much further I can go. Right. Sure. So it's, and it makes it's, for it's an a... interesting interaction when you can laugh and joke about, um, you know, things that we flub. I no longer, if someone calls me out, I, uh, had a flub, I don't know, a couple months ago and I was like, oh yeah, that was me. I, I didn't mm-hmm. make the introduction between the two of you. I can now see how that was awkward. Like, that was me. Mm-hmm. My bad. Learned from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas my previous life, the mentality was don't own up to something like that because you look weak. You get in trouble and like, yeah. Mm-mm. You look weak. I used to have a boss who would never put on her out of office. Oh, sorry. They're out of office. If they went... If they went on vacation for a week, it wasn't off because they never wanted to appear that they weren't working. I was like, what? Uh, what? This is crazy. <sighs> I know a few of those. But so how did you, I don't know, maybe that's not the right way to ask that question. What What made you pick gap selling? Because I'm a fan of gap selling. I've read, you probably can't, it's, it's over there. I, I've, I've read the book. I'm a fan. Um, but when, when you were going through this, uh, 
choosing, I'm, I'm sure that you, you went through a point where you had to choose, you know, a, a team, I guess, I don't know, um, a methodology. What, what made you land on, on gap selling? It's interesting. So when I started as an entrepreneur, I thought I'm really great at networking, connecting people, seeing things that they can't, um, have a knack for LinkedIn. Why don't I start there? So when I started coaching individuals on how to use LinkedIn to find new jobs, how to leverage it to build their own network, okay. I realized there's, I can't make a lot of money during this, during the, after the pandemic, nobody has a job, nobody has any money. Um, so then I started to go up the chain with a business partner of selling into corporate. And I realized we may be ahead of our time here of working with corporate teams on how to leverage LinkedIn to build a brand, to prospect, to just be out there and social. And I spent a lot of time educating people. I still do the hospitality teams I work with on why you have to be visible online. It's just, it's, it's like, it is what it is. If you're a human, mm -hmm. if you're in business, you have to have an online persona and be out there sharing education, value tips, connecting it, that's that's what people do these days on whichever platform you choose. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was banging my head against the wall, realizing two years in, I'm not gaining momentum here because I'm spending so much time trying to educate an industry on why they should change. So for me, I realized their problem isn't big enough for them to want to make change. I mean, that's typically what happens, right? For us, we get to a place mm -hmm. where... It's intenable or intolerable, and we'll make a change. If it's not, we won't as individuals mm -hmm. or as companies. And I was on a podcast, and the host, Corey, sent me a note and said, Hey, uh, I've been looking at Gap Selling and realized there aren't any female trainers. And I thought, oh, I don't even know what Gap Selling is. Okay. So I ordered the book. And I poked around, I sent Rachel, who's over the trainers, a note. And I was like, well, whatever, I'll get to this eventually. So it took me like six weeks. I read the book and it was a light bulb moment to me of, oh, I have been a BAMP seller. Although I've trained salespeople I've hired, I, my portfolio is $105 million. I realized we are, we're having surface level conversations. We're not going deeper. So I started the process with them of interviewing, which meant I had to have a one-on-one -on -one with Keenan, uh, which was anxiety ridden because he's such a big personality yeah. and enrolled. So this is a licensing agreement. I paid mm. to be part of it. I went through a selection process and then like a six month certification where I was in school full time to learn the gap selling framework. Um, methodology. And then you have to start building your own business because it is your own business, sourcing your own leads, mm -hmm. building. And I had this moment of nobody is going to do this for me. Let go thinking that you're going to go back to a corporate role. You have to go all in. And that was July this past year. Um, my certification was over. It was like a now what moment built a website. It was janky. Uh, I have to start building pipeline having conversations. I have to go all in and double down on me, like all in. So that's when I started. I'm going to create video. I'm going to start showing up on video. I'm going to launch a podcast, like things I'd never done before. And you talk about that 30 seconds of insane courage. That was it. It was that moment of, mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. I'm going to find some people who can 
give me some tidbits. Thank you. Trevor Robinson made me a video. This is how you make a podcast. It was like 30 minutes long. I spent seven hours learning how to do it. And I went all in. So I think the stars maybe just aligned. And it, we mm. really are this island of misfits. I mean, Keenan, huge misfit. Mm. Rachel as well. Like these people that don't fit the corporate persona, but are out there challenging the status quo of crappy sales. Mm. Sales shouldn't be a checklist. It should be a conversation. And how are we showing up to help? I'm going to give you such immense value on this call. Whether you choose to do business with me or not, you're going to walk away like having been better for this conversation. And right now there are two certified trainers in the US, uh, in the world, two females, I shall Let's add. Um, and that is building more, more coming soon. So that's my story. It just happened. Someone I met on LinkedIn, a conversation, mm -hmm. they dropped a suggestion and I took it up. On, I took them up on it. That's so, and I, but I love that concept. I don't know. I can't remember if I went back and talked about it, but that 30 seconds of insane courage. And that's, that's all it takes. Cause sometimes like the scariest part about most things is the story that you've told yourself in your head that stopped you from getting started. So if you can have 30 seconds of that insane courage, that is enough time to get started and realize it's not so bad or that this is actually pretty fun. Yeah. And, and, and I do either, talk with my, my dad about this, right? We're talking 30 seconds of insane courage of something that typically for most of us isn't like life threatening, right? So my yeah. dad has a couple of these stories where recently in the past couple of years, like someone has coded and he's been there and that 30 seconds of insane courage for him, right? Am I going to start CPR? Am I going to get the machine? Like, what are we doing? Um, delivering a baby. He hasn't delivered babies in years and he's had a couple of emergencies in the small hospitals where he's had to, and he's been a little bit rusty. We ain't talking about that people. Like we are talking about, are you hitting post on mm -hmm. LinkedIn and being okay that literally for three to six months, nobody is going to engage with you, but you are putting in the repetition for your own brain to say, Hey, I'm putting myself out there. It is a salesperson mm -hmm. having a discovery call instead of asking what's your budget, et cetera, knowing what problems you solve and getting uncomfortable saying like, typically when someone tells me X, Y, Z is going on, it's because blah, blah, blah. Are you seeing that within your organization? Just like changing your language mm -hmm. and people get really fearful of change because it's just fear. We don't know what that other consequence is. Like you're not going to die from asking a question on a discovery call or mm -hmm. posting something on social media or going on someone's podcast. It's just the stories that we've told ourselves that it equates to like death or <laughs> some alternative. <laughs> or embarrassment or something, but something just before that. <laughs> Nobody's going to remember because we are no. so, uh, unfortunately we're so wrapped up in the social media first world that if we're not connected and, and absorbing content, like I don't remember something that someone posted five days ago, like let it go. That Brittany Peach mm -hmm. who went on and told her whole story, like in a couple more days from now, everybody will move on from it, right? No, sure. No. Five yeah. seconds of fame um, and glory. You have to keep putting yourself out there and doing these things that we deem difficult if your desired goal is to have massive growth. Yeah. There was, uh, I think it was Alex Ramosi that he, he said something, he posted something a while ago that really resonated kind of with, with me in, in this in this kind of category. And it was like, like he thinks about death a lot. This is, this got really morbid. So everybody just stick with me. Um, is when you, when you're gone, 
no one's going to remember you after like, it's like one generation and like you're, no one's going to remember you. And then he posted something and he said, it was like six months after the queen of England died. And he's like, I bet this is the first time you thought of her in six months. And it's true. Like she was the queen of like, she's a, she, like I'm Canadian. She was on my money. Like, right. and she died and I didn't even think about her for six months ago. So why would you let thinking of it that way? Why would you let, you know, somebody not liking a post or being scared that you might get embarrassed or somebody will thumbs down you on YouTube or whatever it is, stop you from doing something like just go. Yeah, do I it. Don't... No one cares. And I, and I think some of that probably comes from, there's some really rude people out there. Yeah. Instagram is, is a perfect example of that. Just, you know, how rude and, and, um, people can be in their comments and how they can tear people down. It's really disgusting to read a lot of that, especially towards women who are putting themselves out there. It's like, what are you doing? You ain't making video and putting yourself out there. Like, yeah, why are they're not doing anything. Someone's yum. But my mom yeah. and I had that conversation recently about death. My parents are in their late seventies. They're getting ready to go on a trip of a lifetime, five weeks to New Zealand and um, Australia. Awesome. And I said, you know, what point are we going to start talking about? Like what's next for you all or a plan? And she said, you know, she's had this realization that like your life kind of doesn't matter. It it matters to you mm-hmm. and and the small circle of people. But yeah, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, what is the significance or what is the impact? Like all we have is that here and now and to ourselves. And I took that as reinforcement because when people ask me, what are you trying to do? Where does this drive come from? It's like, it comes from me showing me I can do it. That's Mm -hmm. it. Not to like show my husband or even my daughter. It's to show me and this record every day of like, you can't, yes, I can. You can't, yes, I can. (laughs) Every day to prove to myself, I can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And, and even if I fail, I will learn something from it. Yeah. And if you're somebody who wants to like achieve these great things, like, and that's one thing, like I'm, I'm kind of a, like I, I have big goals and, and, and you have big goals. And like a lot of us want to, like we would prefer to be remembered. And, but if you're not really clear on how you want to remember, like, what do you want to leave behind? Like what, what, what problem are you trying to solve? What, what's your mission? What is, what do you feel like your purpose is? And whatever it is, like if you're running a business or if you just want to leave a legacy behind for your, your kid or whatever it is, you have to be so clear on that and you have to really, really define it and keep it in front of you all the time. Cause if you, and if you can do that and if you can keep it in front of you all the time, doing the things that would give you short term displeasure, like somebody like a troll on the internet saying something like, like I hate your hair or whatever. Like yeah. somebody said something to me the other day in one of my posts, they said, like, no one thinks you're the, I can't remember what I said. I didn't even say anything like this in the video, but somebody commented, was like, no one thinks you're the smartest person in the room. And then I just commented back. I was like, yes, because I I'm in really badass rooms. I would hope not. Like, <laughs> right? It's like I don't like. But I, like, why would you, if you're really clear? Like, I'm I'm. And that's one thing I've worked on this this. I'll say this year. It's only been five days in this year, but this past <laughs> year, I've really focused on is being really really clear on what I want to accomplish or what I feel like the, the culmination of me is meant to do. And being, and I feel like I'm really clear on that because I'm really clear on that. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I have to put myself out there in order to accomplish this. It's like I don't care. And I'm not saying that's the that's the solve to the problem, but I'm saying it, it's a lot more that that 30 seconds of of being extremely you know courageous is a lot easier and it's more abundant 
when you are really clear in what you want, because then you can think about it. You can bring yourself back to that that place, right? Of what, what either whether it's something you're trying to avoid or something you're trying to accomplish. If you're really clear on that, that thirty seconds of being extremely courageous, it's it's a lot more accessible. It's like it's right there. It's like okay, I need that right now. I'm going to use that. Yeah, and and for me, something that this is going to sound horrible. I've had to detach from empathy sometimes of I used to get very caught up in other people and how they felt and the impact and ensuring it just, it happened yesterday. And I don't want to say like empathy in, I used to take other people's problems and make them mine and think I could then solve them or help them. Mm. And I'm out there helping everybody. And I realized it's a detriment to myself. I am spending so much time helping other people or giving them pointers or making a connection that is taking away from me working on myself, which is what I vowed after age 40 to do was to get pretty selfish. Um, I used to be the yes person like, oh, I'll take that on. Oh, I'll go to this event. I'll, oh, I'll do this. And it was the defining moment when I went, I found out uh, my meal counterpart, we had the same job, same responsibility, uh, made $20,000 more than I did. And I went to ask for a raise, not based on me knowing that information, I came with the statistics from my portfolio and I was told women aren't valued in this company. So I did not get the matching race. And at that moment, I started saying no to everything except myself. Like, no, sorry, I can't go. I can't attend this. I can't do that. And I've had to cut back my natural instinct. And for a lot of us is to help, help. Let me help you. Let me do this for you. Because if we're doing that for others, we don't have to focus on the shit that's really hard, which is doing it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I did this yesterday on LinkedIn. Someone announced they got a new job. And I was like, oh my gosh, I used to be in that space. Totally happy to connect to you. And I started going down the path of pulling the LinkedIn profiles of the people. And I was like, whoa, stop. Mm. This person can send me a message. I offered it. They can send me a message in my inbox until that message comes in my inbox of them saying, hey, I would love those recommendations or connections. Like, don't do it for them. Uh, And that's really hard. And I don't want to say it's like a lack of empathy, but it's a lack of putting everybody else first besides yourself. You're never going to get to your goals if you don't have a little bit of those guardrails up and that like selfish behavior. And I would Mm -hmm. say most entrepreneurs, while yes, you can have empathy for others, you got to take the selfish road at times. A hundred percent. Well, and it's, it's just, it's just as important knowing what to subtract as knowing what to add. Right. And then, and a lot of times that that's what it is. Like you can't like you, by you doing that, you're admitting that that's worth more of your time and your energy than going out and prospecting for yourself, which then puts right. food on your table. And if you do all these things, if you're selfish right now, you can build up enough, whether right. it's, you know, money and your team's big enough, then you can go be a philanthropist if you want at that point. Right. But you have to have this base of yourself, of you, like you are the base. You have to build that up first before you can throw into everybody else. Like, I mean, Agreed. if you've Agreed. traveled with I your said, kid. I said no to someone recently. I actually scheduled a meeting with them. They're here locally. They're setting up a whole entrepreneurial something, another, blah, blah, blah. And I started to go down the path of like, yeah, we'll have a call. Sure, I'll get involved in this event. And then I was like, wait a second. This isn't your target market. Like, what are you doing? Stop putting things on your calendar. Like right now you have to stay hyper-focused because yes, as you're in build mode and you're trying to build that pipeline, every, I can't, Chris Caldwell, I think said this to me, like, if it's not a hell yes, it is a hell no. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've been saying that to myself. You don't have to say yes to everybody, right? Every opportunity that comes isn't a fit. 
you have to pick and choose because of that time, especially like this week, I'm delivering our training on Thursday. That's basically one day out of the office. Next week, I travel Monday back Wednesday night. That's three full days of I'm I'm not prosthetic. I, I think my husband last night was like, well, can't you do some of this work last night? I'm like, bro, I'm not sending these people messages like outside of business hours. That looks stupid. <laughs> so I got to work right now. Um, yeah. So it it is. And that's tough when your nature is like, but I want to help people. I want to help people. And then you realize like, shit, I didn't bring in any money because I'm out here helping everybody else. Yeah. And you can like that. If that's your goal, you can, but it can't be your goal right now. Like that's yeah. down yeah. the road. No, like I, Set yourself I, up first. And then, that, but you're, I love that point though. Cause a lot of people, I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I used to fill out my, what my previous, uh, firm that I, I had um, consulting firm I had I was the same way I, I filled up my calendar with like hey how can I help you without yeah yeah you know which which is fine and it, it helped create a lot of good relationships and it you know it some of it paid off long term but just thinking of how much I could have I missed <laughs> doing that kind of stuff I mean it's it's tough but it's, it's the lessons that we learn um, but I want to respect your time you got a, a little one that's watching Care Bears was that what she you put is, on for She is. I'm, She's I'm doing amazing. Mom. I told She's her. She's doing amazing. You get an hour and a half of TV because I got two calls back to back and then no more TV. Don't be asking me for TV later. And it, <laughs> She's doing it, amazing. <laughs> I know, right? She is. She's probably yeah. just like with the button whenever the, the uh, yeah. skip the commercial on YouTube comes up. I've taught yeah, her I well. Did. But yeah, for all the parents out there, great. like, it is tough when school closure she was out of school for three weeks because she had a surgery and then two weeks of school and you're trying to work and juggle it and and it's hard to make forward movement in your own business but i'm also trying to be present and realize right she's only she's only four and a half once and i can keep building so it, it like you said it is about respecting that time and also knowing when to give and and when to take a step back yeah, hundred percent. And it, it's it's tough too because I mean I, I got two kids. I have a six and a four year old, six year old daughter, yeah. and a four year old son. And I mean it's it, that balance of like, okay, I want to set a good example of like somebody's working hard for them and setting them up for their future. But also it's like I need to work on like teaching you how to read, and I need to do like like you always have to. It's a, it's, it's a balance, you know. And I respect anybody who goes through it. Um, right. Especially. I have to teach her that. Just because daddy leaves to go to work and mommy works from home, it's not any different. Like she doesn't understand that concept yeah, right now. Yeah, she just thinks yeah. like mommy's well, like playing around at home or something. And why? Well, why? Why would she? She's four. Like, I know. The, the world. It's, the world's just a fun, stress-free place, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, again, this is amazing. It's exact. I I, I, I want to do it again. I think that we. I want to cover more of like specifically like your like sales methodology and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and but this I, was a great introduction to you. I want to get you on my podcast as well, where we'll break down some sales myths and yeah, let's do just, it. Discuss, just discuss what you're seeing out there. So I'll ping you for that as I'm looking for yeah. more. Sounds it great. is so difficult. If any women who are in a leadership role or a VP CRO and you want your story to be heard, like hit me up. It is so hard to get women to come on podcasts. I think they don't want to be on video or something. I'm, I'm not sure. I got, I got one for you. I got a couple for you. I'll send you away. <gasps> okay. Don't you, don't you worry. I got you. I got you. Awesome. Um, Thank you. But I, I always ask this question. Um, I give everybody the opportunity to answer this question. Uh, so for you, Celeste, what is the next summit that you are chasing? <sighs> Oh, 
the next summit I am chasing is a legitimate SKO opportunity. Speaking Ooh, opportunity. Sales kickoff. Everybody doesn't know mm -hmm. sales kickoff. Mm. Okay. What's your, mm -hmm. what's your target? Like what's your target? Like your prefer like psychography demographic. What's your preferred industry? Anything? I don't have a preferred industry really. Okay. I have a couple of topics. One is this whole imposter syndrome. So it would be awesome if it was like an association of women or um, women in leadership who are coming together. That is a perfect, I think, segue. But where we talk about killing your imposter syndrome and I share a lot of photos that others can resonate of horrible haircuts from eighth grade and how we can kill that inner imposter syndrome to catapult us forward because honestly that's what holds many of us back oh big time huge like we put shackles on ourselves immediately sometimes like we're just like somebody said i'm never going to be good at this so now okay i guess not and then you just it, it's it's it really interesting what sticks with us over time and that is a topic imposter syndrome or or let's just stop saying that word is right. a good topic that we could we could have a whole segment on trust me perfect um, but we'll, we'll save that we'll save that for for your for your show but all right, um, take, awesome. uh, take 30 seconds, plug, plug everything, plug, plug, where can people find you? All that kind of stuff. Yes. You can find me on LinkedIn. Celeste Burke nicely. Nicely is with a K. Celeste Gap Selling is my website. I also have a podcast, The Sales Edge and 13 subscribers on YouTube. I do a fun little skit called Panic at the Disco where I listen to a caller and I answer their sales discovery emergency. Um, lots of video out there, but honestly, if you want to challenge how your sales team is selling today, specifically around discovery and learning how to become a problem solver and look for problems during discovery to elevate that and become a change maker, hit me up. We can talk all things gap selling and taking a problem centric approach to selling. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.